You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks. Well, I want to welcome those who are joining us on podcast today. I want to look at part one in a two-part teaching on the Ten Commandments. Today, you hear from churches teaching that in the New Covenant, we're free from the law and we're under grace. It's Jesus. It's not keeping the law that gets you to heaven. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is Jesus. It is not keeping the law that gets you access to God. It is Jesus' blood. But we've got to understand something. When we read in the Old Testament, do this and don't do that, do this and don't do that, we in the New Covenant are not talking about the forgiveness of sin. We're not talking about our access to God. Yes, that is Old Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, the keeping of the law was our access to God. But under the New Covenant... When we read the Old Testament, we're talking about a lifestyle that God requires from His people. Now, I hear today that the Ten Commandments are not in the New Testament. That Jesus dealt with the heart of mankind, and the New Testament does not have the Ten Commandments in it. As a matter of fact, when we put the Ten Commandments up down on the highway, you can't believe the number of letters, the people that would stop me in the stores and would say, I can't believe you put up the Ten Commandments and you're taking your church back under the law. The ridicule that I got just from putting up Ten Commandments out on the highway was mind-boggling to me because I was taking our church back under the law. You know, the Ten Commandments are not in the New Covenant. Look, Jesus dealt with our heart. In the new covenant, we are justified before God by grace, not by works. I'm not talking today about being justified by grace. I'm not talking today about being forgiven of your sins, nor am I talking today about your access to God. Today I want to talk about a basic lifestyle that God requires from His children who have been forgiven by His grace. Now we've got to somehow in today's world marry the idea that Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with, but I came to fulfill the law. Somehow we got to get a hold of what He was talking about when He said that. Everybody in here is saved. All in here are forgiven. Everybody in here has received His grace. Our sins have been washed away. And praise God, all in here are born again. You have entered into the family of God as one of His children. Now, how do you live? Now, what's right for you and what's not right for you? Now, how do you live, not as heathens do, but as a child of God lives? We're saved by grace. Jesus' blood forgives our sins. My access to God is through His blood. But all through the New Testament, we read, once you've been forgiven, don't keep on sinning. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, let me read this. 
Everyone who sins is breaking God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins, and there is no sin in Him. Anyone who continues to live in Him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know Him or understands who He is. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, because God's life is in them. Chapter 2, verse 4. If anyone claims, I know God, but does not obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in truth. With no doubt... The church has got to teach the Ten Commandments, God's basic laws for living life. Here's why the church has got to do this. Because today's world is not going to. Where else are those laws going to come from? If the church takes those out and says, well, we're just going to preach on grace and we're going to preach on love and we're going to preach that God loves you, then who do we think is going to teach a generation, don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't bear false witness, don't covet, don't even warrior. See, this is a biblical lifestyle that the church has got to infuse into a society. You can put your ribbon in Exodus chapter 20. We're going to be there for the next couple of weeks. When Jesus was asked, which is the most important commandment? He said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Everybody know that? Jesus, what's the best? What is the greatest? Which commandment is the best? Jesus says, number one, love God. Number two, love your neighbor. Now, what most in the New Testament don't understand, what most in the New Covenant don't understand is, when Jesus said that, He wrapped up the entire Ten Commandments for us, and we're going to look at the first four are about loving God, and the next six are about loving your neighbor. So when Jesus said, which is the most important? All ten of them. All ten of them. We're going to look at this in the next couple of weeks. You can write this down because history bears this out 100% of the time. The only thing that separates civilized nations that live free and barbaric nations is the Ten Commandments. That's the only thing that separates those two. America. The America that we've known, the America that has had more freedom and more prosperity was established on laws assuming that the Ten Commandments would be guiding individuals' lives. When you look at the streets of cities that are not biblically based, that are not in the Bible belt, that have removed biblical standards from their thinking, look at the safety, look at the crime, look at the quality of life, for homes and families in those inner cities. Let me ask you, just to compare, inside the Bible Belt or outside the Bible Belt, where is it the safest to live? Where is it the safest to live? You ask any historian to name the single source of the legal concepts of the laws that govern Western civilization It will be the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments. That's why in our courts today, 
in the gable of the Supreme Court of our land. For those who have never been to Washington, D.C., when you walk up the sidewalk to the Supreme Court, massive stone columns, massive rock steps going up into the Supreme Court, in the gable of that building, in stone, is Moses holding the Ten Commandments. Because that's the basis of everything the Supreme Court does. Are you kidding me? How in this world do you walk up those steps and under that stone mural in the gable of the building and think like our Supreme Court is thinking? Well, it's not a Christian nation. It wasn't founded on the Ten Commandments. Well, what's that doing up there in stone in the very gable of this building? The Supreme Court, in all of its decisions, base and arrested on Moses and those Ten Commandments. When you look at our laws, the basic laws of our country, laws that prohibit stealing, taking innocent life, lying, perjury, lying under oath, where do those come from? Let me give you a little quick 4,000 years of history. Just in a few minutes, I'm not going to spend 4,000 years doing it. Quick overview, quick recap. Everybody sit up, take a deep breath, and pay close attention because I'm going fast. Got a lot, of, a lot of years to cover. History shows that God and Abraham cut covenant. I'll be your God, you'll be my people. Boy, your, your heirs like the stars, like sand, the seashore. We're going to bless you and your people. Your people are who I'm going to work with to bring my will on this earth. Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had two boys, Jacob and Esau. Jacob got the birthright and the blessing. Jacob then had 12 sons. A lot of jealousy in those 12 sons. They sold Joseph into slavery, dipped his coat in blood, told the dad wild animal got him. Joseph went with slave traders, found himself down in Egypt. He interprets uh, Pharaoh's dream. Talks about the famine that's coming. Joseph now is over the food distribution in a world that's starving to death. I'd say he's probably the most powerful guy in the world since he controlled all the food. So Joseph is here in Egypt in charge of all the food. Jacob and his family find out about all of this. They move the family back down to be with their brother Joseph so he could take care of them. And that's how Jacob and 12 of his sons got down into Egypt. We read in Exodus chapter 8, verse 1, where a new king comes along. He didn't know Pharaoh. He didn't know Joseph. He didn't know Joseph's family. He didn't know anything about all the food and the famine, and he wasn't impressed with none of that. All they did was look around and said, hey, these folks are multiplying. These Hebrews are multiplying. They're going to take over. So they took them and made slaves out of all of the Hebrews. They made slaves out of God's covenant people. This goes on for 400 years. For 400 years, God's kids are enslaved in Egypt. So we've got several generations here. All right, is everybody with me? You can't can't doze off. I'm I'm going fast. God then, through a burning bush, calls Moses, Hey, go get my people out of there. I want them free. I want them living free to worship me. Moses goes in, and through a series of miracles delivers God's kids out of slavery, out into freedom. Okay, stop right there. Don't think from where you are thinking right now, but I want you to think about 
where these people are. You got to get your mind in the mind of these people. Who does Moses have on his hand out in the desert? Now he's going to lead them and they're going to coexist and they're going to make a society and a culture and a civilization. Who is this that he's got uneducated, uncivilized, beast of burden, slaves for 400 years? All they know. Are you Okay, now, is everybody with me? We study Moses leading out of slavery in Egypt. And we do that because it is God's picture of salvation for us. Now, think this through with me. These people were utterly controlled. They were under the domination of slavery. They could not free themselves. They could not free themselves. They had no access to freedom. God miraculously, because of His love, because of His grace, because of His mercy, they did nothing on their own to deserve this. They did nothing on their own to assist God in this. God miraculously goes in, in their slavery and bondage, and delivers them and brings them into freedom. That is a picture of our salvation. That's what He did when He saved me from the dominion and control of sin in my life. He brought me into freedom. The Ten Commandments were not a way out of slavery. When did God give the Ten Commandments? After they're saved. Now we're telling folks from the New Testament church, the Ten Commandments are not for you, you're under grace. It's because you are under grace that now the Ten Commandments are for you. Now you have been saved and delivered and set free to live life as a free person that is a member of God's family, here's how you live. Because when Moses brings them out into freedom, who gets the food? The biggest and the meanest. Who gets the women? The biggest and the meanest. Who gets the money? If I'm not big enough, then I'll just form me a gang and then all of my buddies and we'll all go get it. And so then let's just form us several gangs and we'll whip that gang. This is, this is easy to see in history. God says it won't work for my people to live free, delivered, without the Ten Commandments. Here you go, guys. Now, here's ten things you ought to do to live by. It just never ceases to amaze me when I watch the newscast and I see the first thing it opens with is the reporting of the shooting and then of the violence and then of the crime. And then the next story is the group protesting to keep the Ten Commandments from being put up on the Capitol steps or in the Capitol lawn or take down the Ten Commandments. (laughs) What's that? You can't have your cake and eat it too, guys. (laughs) In the same newscast where killing, lying, Stealing is going on. We got protesters saying, we got to take the Ten Commandments down. That's religious. It has no place in the courthouse. Had none had place out here. We got to get religion down. What are we thinking? Well, clearly we're not. Clearly, clearly we're not. Now, don't think about this from the thinking that you come from because you've had this instilled in you. But there are people that I watch on the news that have never had this instilled in them. 
Moses led the Israelites out of slavery, led them into freedom, and their instant freedom will destroy them just like the streets of Chicago and of New York City, and the list goes on and on and on, because we can't hire enough police to police every human being in America. We've got to depend on somebody somewhere saying, don't you lie, don't you steal, don't you commit adultery, don't you bear fault, don't you covet. So we've got to have somebody somewhere instilling the basic Ten Commandments on how to live. What I want us to see is what God wrote in the stone tablets was not Sunday school material. It was not Baptist or Methodist or Lutheran. It was not Old Covenant. It wasn't New Covenant. The Law of Moses, the Ten Commandments that are above our Supreme Court today, gives us law and order. Democrat, Republican, Independent, Tea Party, Methodist, Baptist, liberal, non-denominational, for everybody. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That didn't come from man. That didn't come from man. The removal of the Ten Commandments from public places has got to rate as the most foolish thing that's ever taken place in our society. Are you kidding me? Well, Tim, I know a lot of good people. I know a lot of good people that don't go to church. What makes them good? When you say, Tim, he was a good man. What is your standard for goodness? When you say, well, she was a good lady. Well, what is your standard for goodness? Your standard for goodness is the Ten Commandments. That's what your... When you say they're a good person, your standard is they didn't steal, they didn't lie, they didn't cheat. They, that is your standard for saying that. The only thing that makes anybody good is a lifestyle of the Ten Commandments. Well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe God gave the Ten Commandments. I don't go to church. I wasn't raised in church. I get that. But somewhere in your life, there was somebody that was. And you had an auntie or a grandmother or a grandfather or a coach. Or you, there was a foster parent. There was somebody in your life that instilled biblical value in you. And if it wasn't anybody in your life anywhere that instilled biblical value in you, we'll see you on the 10 o'clock news tonight because you're out hunting for you. Could shot up some convenience store owner. Oh, I don't believe that God gave the Ten Commandments. Do you believe that caveman came up with this on his own? Now, women, let me talk to you. You picture a group of cavemen sitting around a fire, and they decided, you know what we want to do? We just want to have one woman instead of all the women we want. And we want to support her until she dies. And then every child that we sire, we want to support them until they die. We just want to take care of our... And you know what? We don't want to steal anything that belongs to anybody else. We just If we don't make it, we're not going to eat it. <laughs> Women, I'm going to ask you, how long do you think it will take cavemen to evolve into that? Morality is under the law of entropy, just like all of life is. Morality is on a downward spiral. It never upward spirals. How did we become a moral society? It was the finger of God. It was the finger of God. 
the reason this is the mandate of the church is because the world is not going to instill the Ten Commandments. They're going to protest and take them down and then wonder what we can do about all the bullying on the playground. What we can do about all the violence, and we've got all of these stop the violence protest, uh, stop the violence parades that we're doing. The way you stop the violence is teach the Ten Commandments. I swear you're going to stop the violence. Come on. It's what parents do. It's what evangelists do. It's what pastors do. It's what Sunday school teachers do. It's what youth leaders do. Barbaric tribes only become productive civilizations when the Ten Commandments are brought in and infused into their hearts by other people. Whether you go to church or whether you don't, whether you think church is full of a bunch of hypocrites or you don't, to keep society a place where we can all live safe and free, we're going to have to infuse the Ten Commandments into the thinking of that society. The only way to change the Middle Eastern countries, the only way to change is to put a church on every corner. That will change the thinking and the morality of those nations. I could ask for a show of hands. Many of you weren't raised in church. But you had somebody in your life that told you, don't do this. Now you don't want to do that. Now you don't want to act like that. Where did that come from? That came from their grandmother who was in a church somewhere. But the further we get away from that, now we've got three and four and five generations that don't have a grandmother that's infusing that. We're seeing more and more of what we're seeing on TV in the news. Ten directive statements from God, Exodus chapter 20. You can follow quickly down with me. Don't worship other gods. Don't make any idols. Don't use God's name in vain. Keep the Sabbath holy. Those are all about God. Those are all about loving God, first four. The next six, honor your father and mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't even want other people's stuff. Absolutely, keeping those ten will not give you access to God. Jesus and only Jesus does that. We have salvation and forgiveness for our sins through Jesus' blood, and you can't add anything to His grace and His mercy and His love. There's nothing you can add to it. We've got to infuse our nation with the Ten Commandments. Yes, yes, yes. God's grace forgives us. But here's where we are. When you study teens' morality, and let me give you this study. On a scale of 1 to 10, they in, the interviewer asked teenagers moral questions. And they rated them 1 to 10. I'm just give you one. Teens today, in a study, rated 1 to 10. They rated it, it was more wrong to park in a handicapped parking place than to have premarital sex. In their mind, it was a lot worse to park in a handicapped parking place. Is it surprising anybody that our welfare costs skyrockets for unwed teenage pregnancy? Does it shock anybody that 3 million teens each year contact sexually transmitted diseases? Who's paying for all of this? The seventh commandment, thou shall not commit adultery. All studies show that the charts are unbelievably separated on an intact home. The homes are stronger, societies are stronger, children are better cared for, poverty is reduced, AIDS is completely over. 
I mean, you just, you go down the list, you study prisoners that come from intact homes versus those that come from homes where adultery ran rampant in the home. I mean, you just study, how dramatic would the seventh commandment change our entire world economically if we could understand its impact? High school dropouts, they're just the studies are unbelievable. In 1971, that's 48 years ago, 48 years ago, the Supreme Court that's in that building right there that walked up those steps said, the posting of Ten Commandments is plainly religious in nature and must be removed from public places. Nineteen seventy-one, forty-eight years ago, the Supreme Court said the posting of the Ten Commandments is plainly religious in nature and must be removed. Don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. Plainly religious in nature. Now look at the nightly news forty-eight years ago and look at it now. President John Adams, one of our early presidents, said, "We have no government armed with power, capable." of contending with and controlling humans unbridled by morality and religion. It won't work. Simply put, we, don't, we can't hire enough policemen to control everybody when you unbridle folks from their morality and their religion. He says, our Constitution is designed only for a moral and a religious people. Bottom line, if we continue to remove the Ten Commandments, our form of government's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. The Ten Commandments and their influence is the only difference in our country and the streets of Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, these other countries. I keep saying it over and over again. Our country has got to hear this. We've got to hear this. We've got to hear this. We've got to hear this. We cannot quit teaching the Ten Commandments. David writes about his delight in the law of the Lord. His delight in God's commandments. Tim, I've heard you preach this same sermon. I don't know how many times I've heard you preach it. You know, if you stay in this church, I'm going to have to stop preaching it every three or four years. And I'm probably going to have to start preaching it every year or maybe every six months. Because it's only the church that's going to teach this to our next generation. It's only the church that's going to infuse this. And the church is the answer for the inner city streets that we watch on the news every night. It is the turning of a man's heart from an animalistic, heathenistic, ungodly life to a loving God and loving other people and wanting to serve and help people. It's only God that does that in the hearts of people. It's a simple question. Why don't I want to move my family to a huge northern or western inner city because I can make ten times the money that I'm making right here. Why don't I just take my family and move where I can make the kind of money I can make there? It's very easy for me to answer. It's not as safe as living in the Bible Belt. It's not as safe as living in the... I'm not telling you to look at this sermon and see whether you believe it or not. I'm just telling you to look and see. Look and see... Where the world is, the church has got to fight for keeping the Ten Commandments front and center of our life. Turn me to Psalms 119. I want to end with this. Psalms 119, verse 129. 
Your laws are wonderful. No wonder I obeyed them. The teaching of your word gives light, so even the simple can understand. I pant with exception, longing for your commands. Come and show me your mercy, as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word, so I will not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the oppression of evil people, then I can obey your commandments. Look upon me with love, teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because people disobey your instructions. O Lord, you are righteous. Your regulations are fair, your laws are perfect, and completely trustworthy. I'm overwhelmed with indignation for my enemies have disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That's why I love them so much. I am insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal, and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. Now stand with me. Lord, today we just are so grateful that you didn't create us, put us on this earth, and then kick it into motion and walk off and leave us. But Lord, you taught us how to live a life that is blessed, safe, successful, and prosperous. Lord, today we delight in your law, we delight in your word, and we seek to live by your standards for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Tim Brooks.